on in my family. And, and all that may be true, but do you realize in a church this size on any given Sunday, uh, somebody's dealing with a death? Somebody's dealing with a marital issue. Somebody's dealing with a financial issue. No matter what all these things is, that does not discount the fact that God is good. God is good no matter what. God is good no matter what's happening in my life, no no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm experiencing. God is good all the time. And we should recognize it. We should see it. We should praise Him. We should honor Him. We should glorify Him. We should magnify Him in the house. Amen. God is good. Amen, amen. Church, say amen. Man, I tell you what, that singing was on this morning, wasn't it? I got goosebumps a hawk could bite right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to be saved? I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. Uh, I heard my dad was mocking me on Wednesday night. He said, he said, he's not like me. He don't have subs. So guess what I did? I got all points, and I got six of them today. Amen. That'll teach him, doggone it. Amen. 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 Dad, had, you had somebody saved Wednesday night. Amen. That's great. Give God praise right there. Aren't you glad? God will save folks on Wednesday night. Amen. Amen. I am so excited. I'm telling you, I, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in a lot of homes and a lot of families that, that, that's disturbing and discouraging and all that. But I tell you what, God's up to some big stuff around here. Amen. Tomorrow night, TBI kicks off first night, Temple Baptist Institute. Are y'all excited? Say amen. Amen. Tomorrow night is right division. Right division of the Word of God. How many of y'all, how many of y'all believe that, but, that all the promises in the Bible are yours? That's wrong. Uh-huh, got you, didn't I? Do you know there's some promises that were just to Israel? There were some promises that were, listen, and, and what we do, we go through and we pick out stuff that's for Israel, and then we try to apply it to us, and we get all messed up in our theology. Well, if you want to learn this stuff, it's going to be tomorrow night, right division of the Word. If you want to know how to study your Bible, how to divide your Bible and apply it to your life and make it where the Bible makes sense, tomorrow night is the night. Amen? Uh, For all y'all that have been thinking about it, this is the last day to sign up. The registrations will be be ending today uh, so we can get ready for tomorrow. So be praying about that. And if you're not taking the classes, be praying for all those that are. Be praying for those young preachers and those uh, young men that God is calling and God is putting a desire in their heart to go out and do something. Because I promise you this, the devil's going to fight it every step of the way. So let's be praying about that. Amen? God, connect tonight. We have got connect tonight. Yeah. I, I, I need a little more excitement than that right there. I, yeah. Come on now. We're going to, yeah. Hey, we're going to meet friends. You're going to meet friends you didn't even know was in the building. The greatest friends you'll ever have will be coming from Connect. And, and listen, I'm going to unashamedly, unashamedly give you six reasons you need to be here tonight. That's the message. Oh, don't get quiet now. Amen. I'm going to give you a Bible to back it up. Amen. I better get on with it. Y'all getting nervous already. Amen. Here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 12. Have you found your spot? Amen. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. What he is saying there, you have one physical body, but you have many members. You have fingers, you have toes, you have feet, you have a nose and ears and eyes and all this. And he's describing the human body and using that as an illustration to describe Christ's church. If that makes sense, say amen. Amen. Now watch what he says in verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have been made all to drink into that one spirit. Aren't you glad that it doesn't matter whether you're educated or not? It doesn't matter whether you're intelligent or not. There's rich people in the body. There's poor people in the body. Hey, are y'all with me? That means we all get a chance to get in. Amen? Verse 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? Where were the hearing? 
In other words, let's apply it to us. If everybody was a preacher, who would be listening? Everybody can't be the preacher. Everybody can't be the teacher. Everybody can't be the singers. If we'd all do, we'd have everybody up here and nobody out there. Does that make sense? He's saying we all have our part. If the whole body, verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? You don't see little ears running around. Nobody's ever gone down the sidewalk and said, you see that ear pass by? <laughs> we, can't, we can't, as an individual, say, it's all about me. Y'all with me? That's what he's saying. This is going to get good. Amen. But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. What's he saying? Those people in this church you think are, are not really necessary, not important? God says they're the most important. Amen. Verse 23. And who, those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together. In other words, he has put it together, he has molded it together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. Now here's the message. Here's the message, guys. Verse 25 and 26. That there should be no schism in the body, no division, no separation. We should have no disunity in the body. We should all be together in harmony. Are y'all with me? No schism in the body. Now I want you to read, I want you to read with me the next uh, few sentences in verse number 26. But that the members, read it with me, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Now watch this. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Isn't that something? God designed this whole thing. This is not, this is, the church is not some, some work up of man's imagination. This is God's idea. God is the one that put all this together. And he said, I did it for a purpose. I did it so you would all need one another. So you would all care one for another. So that if one suffered, we all suffer. If one rejoice, we all rejoice. If one is broken, we all break down. Are y'all with me? If one cries, we all cry. We are here to support one another and care one for another. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this, this time of worship. Thank you for this time of rejoicing. And God, I pray right now that you'll just move in this place, touch our hearts, touch our our minds and help us to understand how important what we what we do here at Temple is. I pray that you'll meet every need, lift every heart, and God will praise you and thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. <clears throat> in 1978, in 1978, Jim Jones led a cult group to mass suicide at Jonestown in the, in the Guyana jungle. 913 people, which 276 of them were children, by the way. Mel White, a Christian writer filmmaker, set out to investigate the cause of this tragic mass suicide. And he published his findings in a book and film called Deceive. In talking to both the defectors and survivors, he discovered to his surprise that Jones' victims were from our churches. He recruited people from churches. Most everybody in his group was from a church. Now think about that a minute. He did not go into the highways and hedges. He did not go into the streets and lanes of the city. He did not go into the places. He went to our churches. He was pulling people out of the church. Now, this is what they said. Uh, one of the defectors said this here. They did not 
find love in the churches. A defector after seven years, this is what he said, I was so turned off in every church I went to because nobody cared. Another said, I went to church until I was 18 years old and nobody ever befriended me. It was this discovery which led Mel White to list eight resolutions and in his last chapter he said it must not happen again. His first resolution was this, I will do my best to help make my church a more loving community to our members and the strangers in our midst. You know, that's a sad commentary for the church. Are y'all with me? Say amen. That's a sad commentary to a group of people who Jesus said, they shall know you're my disciples by your love one for another. Are y'all with me? Listen, one of the greatest commandments is this. The, the greatest commandment is love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. The second is as the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, now I, I don't want to totally beat down the church because they are my people. Are y'all with me? This is, this is where I grew up. This is, this is my life. That's all I've ever known. But I do believe there are churches that, that this has taken place in where people have come in and found no love and, and it was because they didn't care. Because a lot of times we can get caught up in our own desires. We can get caught up in our own agendas. We can get caught up with our own little circle of friends. Come on, don't get quiet. Y'all been to church before too. We can get caught up in our own little world that we forget about those that are around us and, and, and many times it's because we don't care. But that's not always. Sometimes it's because we don't even realize we're doing it. We don't even realize we're doing it. We don't even realize that here we are. It's so easy to get to uh, meeting with our friends at church in the foyer. And man, we're talking about the game coming up or we're talking about the hunting trip we just had. And somebody with this broke down. Somebody whose wife just left them or somebody whose parent just died. Somebody that something has happened in a tragic way is coming into the church and they're needing some support and they're needing some help. And we don't even see them. We don't even see them. I was sitting. I was sitting in the in the in the uh, the care room when it was back over here uh, years ago. Years ago, when we we was in this auditorium in the care room. No, excuse me, excuse me. It was further than that. It was in the little auditorium. It was when we was down in the lower building. And 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 I, I uh, uh, an, an elderly lady was there, and she had her little granddaughter with her. And she came and sat down, and, and I said, I, like I always do, I, I, I asked folks, well, you know, how did you hear about Temple and so forth? And, and I always say, is there anything I can pray with you about? And I asked this lady, I said, ma'am, is there anything I can pray with you about? And big old crocodile tears began to drip down her cheeks and, and fell off of her face. And she said, preacher, my, my daughter has just been murdered, and now I have the custody of my grandchild, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Needless to say, I started squalling with her. Here, here this lady is, this in the most traumatic time of her life, and, and we are sitting right beside them and have no idea. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. You don't know who's sitting beside you. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know what they're facing. You don't know what heartache is in there. Because to all of us, when we're in church, we put on the church face and we put on the church front and we... Don't even realize the brokenness that's in our midst. What, what, what am I saying? I'm saying this. I'm saying this. Uh, we, we, we need to be able to communicate love. Are y'all with me? And, and Jesus designed the church to be that very machine to make that happen. He designed the church so we would need each other. He did not give everybody all the gifts. He spread them out. So I would need you and you would need me and we would need each other. Are y'all with me? Amen. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Why is it so important? I, I'm just going to flat out tell you, I want everybody here tonight. I want everybody here. I want you to be connected at Connect tonight. I want you to be in a life group. Uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, we talked about the vision of Temple we made the vision very clear. We're here to love God. We're here to love others, and we're here to serve both. Loving others is part of that life group system and being connected one with another. Now, I want to give you, I want to give you six quick things. And don't get nervous with that number. Don't get nervous. We're going to breeze right on through them. Say amen right there. Number one. Number one. Why 
why should I be connected? Why, why, should, why should we be a part of life groups? Preacher, I'm coming to church. I mean, isn't that enough at least? I, I, I'm, I'm showing up to the church house. Isn't that good enough? Why should I be connected? Why does Temple Baptist Church do life groups? Number one, the number one reason, the most important reason, is because Jesus did it that way. Jesus did it that way. Let me show you a verse. Let me show you a verse. <clears throat> the Bible says in Luke chapter number 6, Luke chapter number 6. Do we have that up here? Do y'all have that, fellas? Luke chapter number 6, verse number 12. This is what it says. And it came to pass in those days, it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. This is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. This is the very beginning of his, his uh, developing his disciples, him pulling and choosing those that he would to go and start the church. You remember this, Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus started the church, say amen. amen. Now listen, here's the deal, here's the deal. When it came time, when it came time to begin, when it came time to do this, he prayed all night long. In other words, this was one of the most important things that he would do in his time here on earth. He prayed all night long. Now watch, watch this next verse. And when it was day, he called unto him his, his disciples. Now the disciples were followers, students, if you will, learners, those who were coming to learn from him, all of them. And there was more than 12, by the way. Are y'all with me? There was a ton of them. There was a ton of people that were following him. Now watch what it says. It says, when it was day, he called to him his disciples, and of them he chose, he chose whom also he named apostles. Now here's the point. Here's the point. What are we trying to do at Temple? I, I love coming to Temple and, and hearing the choir sing. How about y'all? I'm telling you, they cranked my tractor this morning. It was good. They could have sang three or four more as far as I'm concerned. I love it. It fires me up, man. It encourages me. I, I know it's going to be good when I get here. But, you know, that's not really the purpose of the church. I, I love coming, and, and, and especially when I get, when I get to hear preaching. Uh, Brother Jonathan preached last week and done a fantastic job. My goodness gracious. Knocked it out of the park. Just what we needed to hear. What an encouragement he was. Man, I love to hear that preaching. I love Getting, getting to be a part of that. I, I love getting to serve and, 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 and I'll hold doors open and I'll do whatever just to be a part of what's happening here. I love all of this. But do you realize that the church is a place that is supposed to be producing disciples? It is not just a place where we can have a Sunday activity. Are y'all with me? It's not just a place where we go hang out on Sunday. It's not so we can just come get our spiritual fix during the week because the week's going to be fighting the devil all week long. So I need to come in and get a little pick-me-up and then go back. No, 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 no. We have totally missed it. Jesus said, go and make disciples. Don't just win them to me. Don't just tell them. Don't just give them the gospel. But you need to teach them everything that I have taught you. Go and make disciples. And I'm afraid that we've missed that in the church today. I'm afraid we've missed that point that Jesus was making. Uh, you have sometimes, sometimes you have very evangelistic style churches or sometimes you have very academic style churches and, and one will have a bunch of people but they're shallow. One will be uh, so, so deep but they won't reach anybody. And Jesus said, we've got to have a happy medium. We've got to go reach them but we've got to teach them. And it is the job of the church to develop disciples. And this is what we are trying to accomplish. Now here's what Jesus knew. Jesus knew the development of disciples is best done in a small group. He knew that. That's why he didn't say, oh, y'all, come on, I'm going to, here we go. No. He had the large group and he chose, he chose, do you know what research have found to be the optimal number in a small group? Guess. Isn't that something? You know why? Because any more above that, it cuts down in communication. It cuts down in participation. Here's the thing. Jesus knew he could get to the side, and he did this many times. If you go through the Bible and look, many times he would pull the disciples aside. He would pull those that he chose aside, and he would begin to answer questions that they had from the teaching that he just gave to everybody. 
But guess what? He didn't do question and answer time with the whole crowd. He did it with his, his 12. His 12. This is the way Jesus did it. Because he knew that was the greatest way to develop disciples. These disciples were close. They had issues. They had issues. There was times they didn't get along. Well, I tell you what, I went to that that one group and we just didn't kind of see eye to eye. Well, that means you're normal. There were times when some of the disciples was wanting Jesus to do something and the others got mad at him. Yeah. Now look, if Jesus' group had issues, don't think yours won't. Y'all with me? But here's what they did. Jesus chose 12 and they ate together. They studied together. They learned together. They served together. Preacher, why do we do life groups at Temple? Because Jesus did it that way. What was Jesus doing? He was developing disciples. What are we supposed to be doing? Don't you think we should do it the way Jesus did it? Amen? Amen? Number one. Number one reason why we do life groups at Temple. Number one, say it to me, because Jesus did it that way. Number two. Number two, the early church. The early church did it that way. <clears throat> now, you say, what's so important about that? Well, you got to understand, the early church had it going on. I mean, when you're seeing thousands saved at a time, are y'all with me? I was in Charlotte this week. I, I preached in Charlotte, uh, uh, North Carolina, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, and, and then drove home. And, and I want y'all to know, them people don't know how to drive in Charlotte. Say amen right there. No wonder there's a church on every corner. They need to get right with Jesus every other day. I was, I was pulling out, you know, had this medium. You know how you got the, the two lanes on each side and you, you're coming, but you need to go, so you're sitting in that, that, that medium right there? Well, I'm sitting there, and another guy pulls up beside me. Well, everybody knows in Alabama you take turns. And then, and then some, a, a, lady, a lady pulled on the, so that's three in a row, me, him, and her. Well, it come time, here come a space, she took off. I said, oh, no, you don't, honey. <laughs> Needless to say, that little Honda was cooking that morning, amen. So you ain't cutting me off, bless God. You know, I'm sorry. Lord, forgive me. Help me, Jesus. No, no, I'm sorry. Anyway, when I was in Charlotte, I got to go, I got to, go to the, the Billy Graham uh, Library kind of like Billy Graham Museum. Unbelievable. You, I think every Christian ought to go see. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm just, just it, was so, it was just, I, I don't even have words. I'd sit there and that man, I had tears in my eyes and, and see the, 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 the throngs of people that have come to Christ because of, well, I don't agree with everything. You don't have to agree. That's, that's mine. That's your prerogative. I'm just telling you, there was things that happened that would blow your mind how God used this man. And I think about all of that that's going on, and I think about that, that was the movement of the early church. They were seeing thousands of people saved, uh, listen, and, and coming to know Christ. Now watch what they did. It says in Acts chapter number 2, verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This is on the day of Pentecost. For everybody that doesn't like megachurches, the first one was a megachurch. 3,000 souls. Now watch. Watch what they did. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together. And they had all things common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord, that means they were together, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Preacher, how did the early church do it? Just like Jesus did it. They got together. They prayed together. They ate together. They served together. 
They learned together. They studied together. They fellowshiped together. Not just in the big atmosphere. Yes, they would come to the temple. Yes, they would come to the tabernacle. Yes, they'd come to the synagogue or whatever it was in their area. They would come and they would find teaching and preaching. But then during the week, they would go house to house. They created a community of people together where they did life together. Listen, this technology is ruining people. It, do you realize technology is, is getting us more and more uh, disconnected from reality and, and humanity? Oh, I've got 5,000 friends on my Facebook. Well, have a tragedy. And then you don't need somebody who can click. You need somebody in skin. Amen. Listen, the early church, they, they, they came together. And they saw the power of God in incredible ways. Jesus did it that way. The early church did it that way. You know, it's amazing to me. There's a lot of churches and a lot of critics, <clears throat> a lot of preachers running down churches that do life groups and, and uh, because it's not Sunday school. And, you know, Paul Paul always had to come to Sunday school at 10 o'clock and get his coffee and go in his class. And, all, and everybody, if you're not doing Sunday school, then that's unbiblical. That's, that's, Sunday school is not as biblical as life groups are. Now, if you want to argue that fact with me, grab your Bible and let's go. But if you don't bring your Bible, I don't want to hear it. And by the way, by the way, we didn't, we didn't start live groups at Temple because we wanted a new fad. Because it was the hip thing. It was the cool thing. The reason we started live groups at Temple is because we didn't have no room and we was broke. That's probably not what we need to be sharing with everybody. But we didn't have no money to build any more buildings. And we needed room. So we went to live groups where we could meet in the homes. And guess what? Within four or five months, we already had more people in live groups than we could fit in a building. You know what? If we tried to fit everybody in live groups in this building, we don't have enough rooms in here. Aren't you glad... Jesus knew what he was doing. Why do we do life groups? Jesus did it that way. Number two, the early church did it that way. Number three, we do it that way. We do it that way. I bet you're thinking, what in the world does that mean? This is the chosen pattern that we are using at Temple Baptist Church. What's the point? If you feel that temple is your home, if you feel that this is where God wants you to be, do you realize the Bible says that you should submit to the authority that you are under? Let me read the verse because I know you're not going to believe that. But the verse says this here. It says in Hebrews 13, 17, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account but that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Preacher, what am I saying? Uh, this is what I'm saying. If, if, if the church that God leads you to, is they operate and they run their ministries in a certain way, if that's where God wants you, you should submit to their authority. Now, if you go to a different church and they do it differently, then you should submit to their authority. But if God wants you to be here, this is what we do here. This is what is working here. We have, we have our, our foundations class every, at the first Sunday of every month. And, and I tell everybody that comes there, listen, let me tell you what we do. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is what we believe. This is how we behave. This is everything about temple. And this is what we are. And if you don't like that, this is not your place. This class is not to put, we're not performing a poll in this class. We're not asking your opinion in this class. We're telling you what we are, and if you like that, fine. If you don't, there's 500 other churches to go to. And I'm not, I'm not being arrogant. I know that it kind of sounds that way, but here's what happens. Is we have people that will be disgruntled at this church, and then they'll come down to this church, and six months later they want this church to act like that church. And if that church is so great, why'd you leave it in the first place? I, I, I like this saying, if it ain't broke, 
Leave it alone. This is who we are. This is what we do. Well, I don't like that. Well, you might be in the wrong place. And I don't like saying that. Trust me, I don't like saying that because I like you here. Matter of fact, I, 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 I want this building to be slammed, jam-packed with people, but I do, I do know that there are some people that don't need to be here. And it, and it might be because you might be out of the will of God. God may have another place for you. But I do know this. If this is the place, if God's will for you to be in a place is this place, God wants you to be in a life group. Because God cannot contradict his word. And not every church is the same. Not every church is the same. Some churches do a little different. And if it's God's will for you to be in that church, guess what you submit to? However they do it. However they develop disciples. I'm, I'm all about that. Say amen. Now, why do we do life groups here at Temple? Jesus did it that way. The early church did it that way. We do it that way. This is, this is the format that, that we have chosen to best and, and, and do it in the most successful way, develop disciples at Temple Baptist Church. Number four. Number four. <clears throat> I like this. I like this one. <clears throat> number four. Life groups makes a large church a small one. Life groups makes a large church a small one. I'm, I'm originally from a very, very, uh, I say very, very, a small church in, 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 in most comparison. And I remember when I went to Bible college, I, 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 this was a larger church. And it wasn't even as big as this at the time. It was about half the size of this. And, uh, but I, it, to me, you might as well put me in the Houston Astrodome. And I had to go to church there because I was in college there, so it was part of that. And I'm telling you what, I, the first time I walked in there, I was scared to death. And when that preacher said, in Jesus' name, amen, during the invitation, pew, I was gone. I was out the side door because I just, man, there's a bunch of people in that place, and they might want to talk to me. <laughs> but then after the second service and the third service and the fourth service, about that fifth service, it was normal. And it felt normal. You know why? Because I met some people. Let me blow your mind. Let me blow your mind. How many of y'all ready for mind blowing? Do you realize that regardless of the size of the congregation, the average person, unless you're like a genius and you have a photographic memory, which most people are not, so on the average, everybody will know about 60 people in a congregation regardless of the size, whether it's 100, 1,000, 2,000, whatever, 500, you're going to know about 60 people. Now think about it. The names that you, you, that you recollect. So, so regardless of the size, that number is going to stay about the same. What's the point? When you go to church, you don't have to know everybody. You just got to know somebody. I've had people tell me, I don't like going to them bigger churches because everybody don't know everybody. Well, honey, if everybody knows everybody, you're not reaching anybody. Are y'all with me? But you need to know somebody. A life group will make a large church small, small. We, we use the phrase, we must grow larger and smaller at the same time. We want to grow larger. We want to reach Coleman. We want to reach sinners. We want to go out and find the unchurched. We want to find those that are lost. We want to find those that do not know Christ and invite them into this place and teach them who Jesus is. Win them to Christ. Somebody say amen. So we should always be growing larger in this atmosphere, but we got to grow smaller at the same time. Because you cannot develop close, intimate relationships in this atmosphere. It's great to worship in. It's great to sing in. It's great to preach in. It's great to teach in. It's great to have all this excitement in. But you cannot grow close in this one. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but sooner or later, everybody needs somebody. And, I, and let me say this. Let me say this. A lot of times people will go to a large church like Temple because they can blend in. We can kind of sneak in and sneak out and, 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 and nobody will kind of ever know that we're there and, 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 and we can just kind of, because I don't want to really be accountable to anybody and I just want to come in and get a little something, something and then I can get. 
In a life group, you can't do that. Now, I'm challenging some of y'all today. I'm challenging some of y'all today. Y'all, y'all, some of y'all like drag race Christians. You drag in and then race out. Amen? I'm challenging you. A.D., they call that real cream Christianity. Just a little dab will do you. Amen? Just give me a little dab on Sunday. That's all. No. That little dab won't do you when you're in a tragedy. No, you're going to need family. You're going to need friends. You're going to need support. Are you all with me? Say amen. Listen, life groups makes a large church a small one, a small one. Number five, life groups is the easiest way to get connected at Temple. Life groups is the easiest way to get connected at Temple. It's the greatest way to find friends and truly feel like you belong. Don't we all? Now think about this, guys. I know this is not the typical message, but I I hope you're getting the point. Don't we all just want to feel like we belong somewhere? This is the easiest way. I I read this story, Charles Swindoll. Charles Swindoll made this observation. And and, and please don't get offended by this, you know. Uh, The neighborhood bar is probably the best counterfeit that the devil has for the fellowship Christ wants to give to his church. The neighborhood bar. It's, it's an imitation dispensing liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality. But, now watch, the bar is permissive. It's accepting and inclusive fellowship. It is unshockable. It's democratic. You can tell people secrets, and they usually don't tell others or even want to. Now watch. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put into the human heart the desire to know and be known, to love and be loved. And so many seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. Perhaps there is no better example of this than the television sitcom Cheers. The theme song says, sometimes you want to go where everybody... And... (laughs) I was not expecting that. Amen. (laughs) We have such a spiritual crowd. Amen. (laughs) Oh, the tune is now in my head. Help me, Jesus. Where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you... You want to be where every listen. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Big old Norm comes in. What does everybody do? See, you thought I was going to be spiritual all day, didn't you? Now think about this. Think about how many people are deceived with this imitation that the devil offers. And you know what's another sad thing? It doesn't really have anything to do with this. You can get in a knockdown, drag-out bar fight this Saturday and be best friends next Saturday, but try that in the church. It'll be Hatfields and McCoys for three generations because somebody sat in your chair. Are y'all with me? Now, obviously, according to the statistics, you're going to know 60 people. So no matter what size church you're in, you're not going to know everybody's name. But it's sure good to know when you walk in, somebody knows your name. Hello. How do we do that? In our life groups. In our life groups. I was reading, <clears throat> I was reading a book by, uh, help me, Brother Travis, uh, the Sunday school guru from up there in uh, Virginia. Uh, Elmer Towns, Elmer Towns, uh, his book on, on church growth and revitalization of Sunday school. And he said, a growing church has to make sacrifices. He says, a pastor has to make sacrifices. He has to let go of ministry. He has to allow other people to minister in his place if he's going to keep growing. 
Do you know there are so many churches that are bottlenecked at the pastor because the pastor tries to do everything, he tries to be everything, and, and, and then the people expect him to be, and the, and the church can never grow beyond the ability of the pastor, the intellect of the pastor, or the energy of the pastor. That's why the average church in America is about 60 to 70 people because that's all he can handle. But if a church is going to grow, the pastor has to let go of ministry. But then it says, not only do the people, or the pastor have to sacrifice, the people have to sacrifice. They have to be willing to understand that, that the pastor can't be at every single person's every situation and allow other people to do that. Now that's hard, especially when most people come from a small church background. Are y'all with me? But if we're going to reach this community, and I like what's happening here. I like the resources that are here. I like what God has done in this big church. But if we're going to have a big church, we're going to have to make the adjustments that are necessary to keep growing and still be ministered to. Preacher, what are you saying? It means you need to be in a life group. You need to come to connect tonight because it's so important. It's the easiest way to be connected at temple. You'll find friends you didn't even know you had. The greatest friends I have in my life, I've met through life group. I've been in seven or eight, nine, ten, I don't know how many now since we've been starting it and, and having a new one. And, and you'll be so close. You think, and, and a lot of people have this misconception, I'll never be this close to people again. Yeah, you will, three weeks into your new one. If you don't go into it with attitude. I'll be honest with you, I'm nervous when it comes to meeting new people. Brother Buchanan, he's not in here. I think he's probably out smoking a cigarette or something. I don't know what he's doing. But, but he, listen, he gave me a new name. He gave me a new name about two groups ago. And uh, he said, hey, call these. These will probably fit in your group. And I'm like, oh, no, man. Because I didn't know him. I know I'm testifying and confessing stuff, so y'all forgive me. I thought, oh, come on, man. What if they're weird? <laughs> I did. I ain't going to lie. I'm telling you the God's truth. And they're going to come to group and they got one eye in their forehead or something. I don't know what... And you know what? They end up being the coolest couple I've ever met. Still friends today. My point is this. You have best friends sitting beside you that you even, you've never met yet. That will be there when you get sick. That will be there when you need a friend. Preacher, why do I need to come to connect? Because one day you're going to need somebody. And that somebody sitting right beside you and you don't even know it. And all God's people say it. Lastly, let's finish up with this one. Well, let's go down the list. Let's go down the list. I need to be at Connect tonight. Why? Because number one, Jesus did it that way. Number two, the early church did it that way. Number three, we do it that way. Number four, makes a large church a small one. Number five, all right, easiest way to get connected at Temple. Then, then lastly, this is the most important of all besides Jesus did it that way. Obviously, he's first. But here's, here's, here's the really important part. Number six, write this down. It is how we care for our people. It is how we care for our people. When we have funerals, we care through our life groups. When we have tragedies, we care through our life groups. When we have issues that come up, we care through our life groups. Why? Because... When you have over 2,000 people, it's the only way you can. It's the only way you can. There's no possible way. There's no possible way. Obviously, one man can do it. I, there's no way I could. Guess what? There's no way our staff could. We don't have enough money to pay a staff big enough to care for 2,000 people. Let me tell you what the Bible says. <clears throat> Let me tell you what the Bible says. Over 50 times, over 50 times in the New Testament, the phrase one another 
is used to describe our relationship to other believers. We are instructed to love one another, accept one another, bear one another's burdens, build up one another. We do not, or excuse me, we do need each other. God never intended us for to be alone in the Christian life. One another, one another, one another, one another. But here's what we've done in the American church. Now, now pay close attention. You don't have to write nothing else down, so I want you to look at me real quick because this is really important. You know what we've done in the American church today? All over American churches today, we have, we have, we've hijacked. We've hijacked the ministry of the minister and the ministry of the people in the pews. We've got this idea that we pay this guy to take care of all these people. That's not even biblical. But do you know why we do that? It's so we can get out of our responsibility. See, if we pay him to do it, we don't have to. But do you know what the disciples said in the book of Acts? We are to lead and feed. He said it is not for us to leave the word of God in prayer to serve tables. In other words, the delivery of the word of God is so important and the delivery of the mission and the vision is so important. We have to care one for another. Now that doesn't mean the people on our staff doesn't do all this stuff. We've got a board in our, in our hallway that's jammed usually with people in the hospital and all this kind of stuff. That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying this. We have to do this together. We cannot, we cannot put the responsibility that God has put on all of us on a certain group of people. He wants all of us to care. He wants all of us to love. He wants all of us to serve. He wants all of us to bear one another's burdens together. Are y'all with me? That's the only way. That's the only way a church is going to be successful. It's the only way a church will be able to keep growing. It's the only way a church can reach a community. You say, God has called us to reach the world. It's impossible. No, it's not. Not if we do it the way he did it. Are y'all with me? Connect. You need to be connected. You need to be connected. Listen, and if, and if you're already connected, help somebody else get connected. Bring him with you tonight. Listen, brag about it tonight. Well, preacher, I had a bad experience. Man, get in line. Get in line. Everybody has bad experiences. Me and Tammy had an argument one night. Yeah, good. I mean, a good one. And, it, and, and, you know, it always happens 20 minutes before life group, don't it? Or church, to y'all super spiritual people in here, act like y'all don't never argue. And I'll be honest with you, I went to group with attitude. And, and, and it, had a, it was a blessed night, say amen. But you know what? We all knew it. I went back that next week and apologized. Said, look, man, I didn't, you know. But you know what? It's family. We don't kick Jordan out the family every time she has attitude. <laughs> Hello? Thank God they don't mean because I have one regular. Amen. That's part, of, that's part of family. Look at the disciples. John and his brother said, can we sit on your right hand? And you know what? The rest of them got mad. They have issues like everybody else. Don't let that stop you from getting and being a part of something that can be great. Don't let the devil get in your head and, and, and lie to you. And don't let the devil put every excuse in, well, I just, I'm just not a people person. Well, to be honest, when it comes to meeting new people, it scares me to death. But I, I know sooner or later I'm going to need somebody. Well, I just don't need that kind of attention. But what if somebody needs yours? What if, what if somebody needs your life experience? One of the coolest illustrations I ever heard and I'm done. One of the coolest illustrations I ever heard was of one of our life groups that had younger couples in it with children and had an older couple in it. I don't know how that happened. It just happened. But they were in there, and, and the younger couples began to discuss how the problems they were having with their little people. And, 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 and it was, they were just going back and forth. Well, one of them looked over at the older couple and said, Help. 
And you know what they did? This is what they did. Well, let me tell you what we did. And for about 20 minutes, the older couple began to share their experience and their wisdom and their life experience that they had. And here all these other young couples are just soaking it up. You know what they were doing? Life together. That's what it's all about. Please come and get connected. What time is it? Five o'clock tonight. In this room, right here. Come back at five o'clock. I promise you, if there's not a group in that catalog, we'll make a new one. We'll get you connected one way or another. And all God's people say it. Let's stand. Let's stand. This is not your typical message, so we're not going to have a typical invitation. I want you to pray with me right where you're sitting. Unless you need to come and get saved, if that's the case, there's people here at this altar. Be glad to take a Bible and show you how. Unless you are coming to join, you feel like this is where God wants you to join, you come on up and do that. But I want everybody else, I want, I want you to bow your heads right now, and, and, and I want you to pray with me. Be, be in, uh, in sync with me. I want you to, let's, let's just pray together. The Bible says two or three will pray touching one thing. So that's, that's, I want us all to pray that God would touch Connect tonight. That God would touch broken people tonight. That God would touch some folks that are just that they don't have any friends. Maybe they don't have any relatives in this area. And they just need a friend desperately. I want you to pray for that person right now. They may be sitting right beside you. Who knows? There may be a grandmother beside you who's, whose daughter has been murdered and, and now she has custody over a little granddaughter. You, know, you don't ever know who's sitting beside you. Pray for them right now. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for the one that's sitting beside you. I know there's some here that's, that's grieving over a lost loved one. Pray for that one. There's some in here that's struggling really bad in their marriage. Pray for that one. Be praying right now. Be praying for that one. Because they're your family. They're your church family. We're to bear one another's burdens. Will you help us bear them? So how do I do that? By praying for them. Pray that God will touch them. Pray that God will encourage them. Pray that God will help them. Pray that God will bless them. There's some right now that's struggling with their finances desperately. Can't keep their head above water. I want you to pray for that one right now. Be praying. Say, God, touch them. God, help them. God, encourage them. Father, in Jesus' name, right now, we encourage each other. We stand with each other. We pray for each other. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you'll move in a supernatural way for those that are broken, for those who are needy, for those who are desperate, for those who are hopeless. Lord, those who've given up, I pray that you'll touch them right now. I pray that you'll encourage that one that's, that's, that's sick. Lord, that's got a physical need, I pray that you'll lift them up, touch them, heal them. God, I pray for that one that's just lost a loved one. I pray for your, your grace and your mercy. I pray for your tenderness to just wrap your arms around them and hold them tight. Father, I pray for that one that's just discouraged. Lord, maybe, maybe even a little spiritually backslid, but just down. And they just need a touch. Lord, please help them. God, I pray that your perfect will be done. Lord, we'll thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a verse of invitation.